Welcome to the South Plains Church of Christ podcast. To stay up to date on what's going on and how you can be involved, visit southplains.org. I pray that this message reveals God's truth and love to you today. Let's dive in. Hope you enjoyed all the sunlight getting here this morning. Uh, You do realize next Sunday is the spring forward Sunday and oh yeah, so... Enjoy that. The rest of you, I'll see you at 11 o'clock service. <laughs> the work of Jesus Christ is finished and unfinished. Finished in the sense that God's plan of redemption is complete. We've just celebrated and sang about Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, verse 4, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. God planned out from the very beginning how he would save the world, as Doug talked about, rebuilding relationship. We see it all the way from the Old Testament to the New Testament. The way that we are reconciled with God, the way that we're saved, is now complete in Jesus Christ. While on the cross, Jesus said as much when he he uttered those words, it is finished. That's what he's referring to, the plan of redemption that God set forth from the beginning of time. But Jesus' work is unfinished in the sense that there are still people in the world that need to hear the good news message of Jesus Christ. So it is our task, it it is our work to bring to completion. Why are you here? Why do you exist? There are many answers to that question. Two big ones are to give God glory in everything that you do. The second is to declare God's redemption, God's good news. What does that look like? I mean, what does that look like here uh, in, in our own neighborhood in, in the 80s, well, not the 806, can't say that, but uh, we shared that with others, but, but at least in our neighborhood. Do you realize that there are over a quarter of a million people that are 20 minutes or less away from us as far as driving goes? A 20-minute drive from our building, over a quarter million people, and they are not all in church. They are not all in a relationship with Jesus. And the fastest growing generation, Gen Z, 11 to 26 years of age. So let's talk about Jesus and the Holy Spirit sending us out. We are on mission. We are called to finish this work. This is what the church exists for. In Luke chapter 10, And there is an example of the Lord sending out people to proclaim, to tell the good news of the kingdom. We begin there in verse 1. The Lord now chose 72 other disciples and sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places that he planned to visit. These were his instructions to them. The harvest, the harvest is great, but the workers, the workers are few. So pray, pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. Now go and remember I am sending you out 
as lambs among wolves. Jesus sends out followers, people, to proclaim who he is, the kingdom of God. And this is after he sent out the 12. It's in Luke chapter 9. We'll look at it a little later. But there's this theme you hear in, in this story of Jesus. As the Father sent me, so I send you. In John 17, you'll find it. God the Father sent the Son, so the Son sends the church. Jesus sent, was sent into the world by God the Father, and Jesus sends us into the world. He came, he came into the world. We sang that in that very first song. He came into the world so that we can go into the world. So here's what Jesus does. He sends ordinary people into everyday life telling good news. Now, this isn't talking about talent or ability. This isn't talking about extrovert or introvert. This isn't talking about professionals or preachers. We are all called to the work of good news telling. The good news of Jesus by ordinary people in everyday life. Now, you may say, well, Jim, I feel ordinary. That's great. Let me tell you something about ministry. Ministry is not exotic. It is not glamorous. It is simply ordinary people telling of Jesus in everyday life. So back to Luke 10 and the sending out of the 72 disciples. Notice that Jesus doesn't do all the ministry. He's now equipping others to go out. Luke does not record the names of the 72 that he sent out. And sometimes the best ministry is done by nameless saints who are taking the one name of Jesus to the world. He says the, abund the harvest is abundant, which kind of explains why would we expect God to do great things through us? Well, because the need is great and because the mission is great. Now go, he says. That part's often left off. Now go. As you go. Showing a level of urgency. Pray before, yes. Pray as you go. What are we doing? We're not offering a religious pill to calm nerves. We are offering a transformative message that makes us new creations in Jesus Christ. There's a list of instructions in Luke 10 there, and you can read those on your own. But there are similar instructions in Luke chapter 9, just a chapter before that. Where we pick up reading there in verse 1. Jesus called together 12 disciples, his 12 disciples, and he gave them power and authority to cast out all demons and to heal all diseases. And then he sent them out to tell everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal sick. Take nothing, listen, take nothing for your journey, he instructed them. Don't take a walking stick or a traveler's bag, food, money, even a change of clothes. Wherever you go, stay in the same house until you leave town. And if that town refuses to welcome you, shake its dust off your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned these people to their fate. So they began their circuit of the villages, preaching the good news and healing the sick. Similar list for 12 as it was for 72, because this is God's mission, that he would have us live on, to live sent lives, to have a willingness for our feet to take us to others 
and engage them with the love and good news of Jesus Christ. Let me suggest to you four guidelines for this mission. If we're going to be, if we are a Holy Spirit-led people, if we are people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, then we're going to go out and proclaim Jesus, our faith. First of all, if God has saved you, then you are sent by Jesus. It's unavoidable. It isn't about earning something. It isn't about that at all. You are saved by grace through faith. And as redeemed by the blood person, you are responsible to tell this news. God chose us. God chose people, human beings, to use in this ministry. Luke chapter 9 is the first occurrence of Jesus sending out the 12 to do this ministry which is a shift in his ministry because up until that time, Jesus alone healed. Up until that time, Jesus alone proclaimed the kingdom and answered questions. But now he equips his disciples, first the 12, then the 72, the apostles, which means the sent ones, on a mission. And more and more people are involved in doing this work of ministry. It's the beginning of what we do. Jesus was preparing them for their coming roles in the kingdom of God. Now, the truth is, this is really, in chapter 9, this is really a a, a training mission. Paul told the Corinthian church in chapter 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God. It's not from us. It's not us. It's him. We are vessels. We are clay jars, Paul said. Not much special about a clay jar, by the way. Uh, But God fills us with great treasure, with the Holy Spirit. We're cracked, we're we're scratched, we're we're in in the banged up and dented section. And yet these vessels hold, are great containers for holding good news of Jesus. Which is why God uses people. You may be ordinary, certainly you're imperfect, we all are. But you're the vessel, you're the vessel to bring good news to other people. You're the sent person that God has chosen to share about Jesus. These disciples were ordinary people. They were fishers. They were tax collectors. The, there was a zealot thrown in for good measure, I guess. But it was all the same Messiah they were proclaiming, the same mission they were on, filled with the same treasure. And this filling, this calling is for every follower of Jesus. If God saved you, then you're sent by Jesus. Secondly, if you're sent, then compassion must accompany your going. We bring the message, the good news, the gospel, but we do that with compassion. Notice, to tell everyone about the kingdom of God, he said, and heal the sick. And to heal the sick. The gospel does both. It's the message of Jesus We should speak the good news. We go out as his hands and feet, but we also go out as his mouth to speak the good news. It also includes the idea we're going to help people. There's the hands and feet. The primary purpose of Jesus' miracles certainly was to reveal who he was. He was God in the flesh. But the miracles also, if you'll notice, helped people. Making things as they should be. Healing the sick. Stilling storms. Feeding the hungry. And we being in the community here, seek to be part of the solution of human ills. 
We speak the good news so people can see Jesus, but we live the good news so people can sense the presence of God. Did you notice that before a miracle, Jesus never said, I wonder if they deserve this. I don't know. He never said, did you do enough to earn this? Is this I don't, no, he, he never does that because nobody deserves compassion. No one can earn grace. But the good news of Jesus Christ compels us to be compassionate people. Thirdly, if we're sent, we are to love the people. But we are not to love the fallen system of the world. This is important. Sometimes scripture, hello. I guess that was backing up this is important. <clears throat> Sometimes scripture can seem... Okay, here we go. Welcome back from the intermission. Uh, now let's talk about something that's important. Uh, sometimes scripture seems to contradict itself, but it doesn't. Sometimes it seems to, and you can get stumped. For instance, why does the Bible talk negatively about the world when the Bible says Jesus loves the world? Wait a second. What's the, what's the disconnect here? John 3.16, for God so loved the world. And yet, same writer, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, do not love the world. So which is correct? Well, the truth is you're in two different contexts. The world as people or the world as a fallen system. The way, the way of the world in rebellion against God. Perhaps you've said this, well, hate, hate the sin, but love the sinner. Now, if you really want to drive yourself mad, go look for that quote in Scripture. It's not there. It's not, that's not Bible. It's not Bible. It's not a quote. But the concept, yes, is there. We don't hate people. Our battle is not with flesh and blood, right? That's what, that's what Jesus said. But with the powers of darkness, with the fallen world system that is in rebellion towards God. If you sin, love people, but not the fallen system, condone sin. Fourth, depend on Jesus, not on your own resources and abilities. This is hard. <laughs> and preachers and youth ministers are notorious for this. If only I had, I could do real ministry. If only I had, fill in the blank, I could do real ministry. I can hear the disciples saying that to Jesus. And there's a strange irony in this story. Jesus says, take nothing. Don't take these things. Go as ambassadors of the king. You're on mission for God, but do so, what? In poverty. In essence, that is what he's saying. So why is Jesus doing this? They had, this, they had his power and his authority. Here's the truth. They could have made a lot of money doing what they were doing. If you help people who are in misery... You can make a lot of money off that. And Jesus is reminding them they should not do that. Suffering people will pay big money to relieve their misery. Jesus is reminding them not to abuse what he has given them, his power, his authority. It's also this training exercise. Jesus is testing them. 
You see it, he returns to this idea in Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 35, when he says, then Jesus asked them, remember when I sent you out to preach the good news and you didn't have any money? You didn't even have a traveler's bag or even an extra pair of sandals. Did you need anything? No, they said. But now he said, take your money and your traveler's bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. For the time has come for this prophecy about me to be fulfilled. He was counted among the rebels. Yes, everything written about me by the prophets will come true. Look, Lord, they replied, we have two swords among us. He said, that's enough. <laughs> okay, so here's the question. Should we, should we prepare or should we not? Should we bring stuff or should we not? Should we go out in faith or should we not? Should we defend ourselves or should we not? That's where the sword comment comes in. What Jesus is getting at is he wants his disciples to have common sense. The earlier mission he had sent them on was to get them trained up, to learn that they should rely upon Jesus and him alone. Now, later in the narrative, since you're trained up, here's what you really need to know. Basically, he's telling them, sometimes you may have a lot, and sometimes you may not have anything. That's okay. You can still do the work of the kingdom. Sometimes you may have to defend yourself. And by the way, he tells them later the best way to defend themselves, verse 32, verse 40, that's through prayer, not a sword. Mainly, God is calling you and me into the ordinary everyday routine but we also have to be willing to go into danger as well remember i'm sending you out as lambs among wolves jesus was getting them ready to serve with nothing but him you don't need this stuff all you need is me that's one thing you always ought to take and that is god's word verse 22 uh, chapter 22, verse 37, is where he quotes Isaiah 53. For the time has come for this prophecy about me to be fulfilled. It was counted among the rebels. Yes, everything written about me by the prophets will come true. I am fulfilling everything God wrote about me. You cannot unwind Jesus from the scriptures. You can try, but you'll fail. Neither one of these ever, neither Jesus, the word of God, nor Jesus, the Word, or the Word of God will fail you. In fact, the Word points you to the person of Jesus. In fact, the Holy Spirit points us to the person of Jesus. Now, for most of you, God's mission doesn't really cost you anything. I mean, how much does it cost to invite somebody to come with you to church? It might cost you lunch if you offered that, but, but I mean, really, what, what would it cost you? To tell somebody of Jesus? Nothing. What does it cost to begin a relationship with your neighbor? Nothing. But here's the truth. Sometimes God's mission sounds so big. Billions of people now on this planet that need to hear about Jesus. Over a quarter million of people just in our own neighborhoods, in our own backyard. Most, as I said, not in a reconciling relationship with Jesus. That's a big number. Hard to wrap your mind around. 
and it can be off-putting. So let's, let's break it down a little bit. Let's, let's, let's make, put it down to something simple, okay? And this is as simple as it can be. One. Just one. Who is your one? Who is it God is bringing in your pathway, in your ordinary pattern, in your everyday life? Who is it that God is bringing there? The Holy Spirit is sending you out. He's sending some of you out to Mexico next week. Can I ask the Mexico team to join me up here on the stage? Are you all the Mexico team? Come up here on stage. He's sending some of you out to downtown Houston for Impact Houston. And would the Houston team also come up and join me here on stage as well? While they're doing that, let me remind you, he's sending some of us, most of us, back into our neighborhood. He's sending you back to your workplace, the hospital, back to the clinic, back to the school campuses, back to real retail businesses, to the sales floor, to behind the counter, to an office building somewhere in your, in your office or your cubicle. He's sending you back to the ranch. He's sending you back to the farm. He's sending you to the workshop, to the garage. And what do you do? You do what Jesus told you to do. Now go, he said. One of our elders, Bobby Hooten, is going to come and pray over these mission trips. Hello? Are there, I would like to invite all the other elders who are here this morning to come up also with me. And uh, I would say surround them, but I don't know if we're going to surround anybody this morning. Uh, let's join me in prayer, if you would, please. Our Father in heaven, we're so thankful. Father, we're so humbled to come before you. We praise you, Father, and we, we thank you for these that are willing to go this morning. Father, we pray that as we send them out, that you will fill them with your spirit. Father, that you will give them the courage, the, uh, the strength. Father, we pray that you will give them success on their mission. We pray that as they go, that they will, uh, that they will make memories that uh, will last a lifetime. Father, we pray that you will prepare the soil for where they are going, that they, will, that they will plant seeds and that they will water seeds that have already been planted. And Father, we pray that you will cause growth from the, the planting that's been done and the watering. Father, we pray that those of us who are not going, that are staying here, we pray that, uh, as, as Jim said, that we'll think about our one, that we'll think about those that we are called to touch Father, I pray that you will give us courage, that you will give us your spirit to do those things. Father, we pray for, for each of these groups as they travel, that they will have safety as they travel. Father, that uh, you will keep them, uh, that things will go smooth, that you'll watch over them and keep them in good health. Father, please return them safely to us. It's, it's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. Amen. Thanks for listening. Again, I want to encourage you to visit southplains.org where you can find all sorts of information, including how to contact us and how to request prayer. Thank you for joining us.